Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Uh, you know what that sound uh, means. Uh, School's out. It's the out. 2022 Steelers season's over. Guys, go on your vacation. Go on your break. But before you do, you're not getting off that easy. Mm-mm. We got to hand out our grades. Got to send that report card home to your parents. I hope you don't get grounded for some poor performances could in 2022. Could be some over-the-summer parent-teacher conferences. There could be some summer school to Those be had for some fun. of these position groups here for the Steelers. So... We're going to go through the offense. We're going to go through the defense. We're going to pick a grade. Each of us are. It's not a consensus thing here. Jacob's a teacher. I'm a teacher. You know, your science teacher doesn't give you the same grade as your math teacher does. Mm -hmm. So we'll have differences in opinion. I'm sure we'll have some overlap as well. As Mike Tomlin likes to say himself, he doesn't grade on a curve, right? I don't even know how to grade on a curve, hand up. And I don't really understand technically like how you, a curve works. When you works, were in school so, and your teacher told you, you they yeah, grade on a curve? Just, I'm not that great at stuff like that. And when he keeps saying that quote, I don't grade on a curve, I just got to confess, I have no idea how that works. How do, you, like, how do you grade on a curve? I would never make it as a teacher in real life, but I can definitely play one on the radio. And I'm going to do that yeah. right now. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the position group that's the spiciest, the sexiest, the one that you pin all your hopes and dreams to if you want to have a successful franchise. The fullback. No. <laughs> the quarterback. The, and the, the quarterback position. And for me, I'll kick things off with my letter grade. Sure. Obviously, you're evaluating not just Kenny, but Mitch as well. It's he had a couple of games there. Yeah. Right. I'm going with a B minus for 2022. Mm, I like that. I'll go with you. I'll I'll agree with you. I think. People may could make the argument for a C plus. Yes. Multiple three three interception games, even one isn't pleasant, but multiple really brings you down. But I think B minus is fair because if you if you want to grade on a curve, Tom, if you want to try, you have to weigh the play of Kenny Pickett more than you weigh the play of Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and I think that's what I did when I came up with this grade, and a mm-hmm. lot of that B minus has to do with the late heroics from Kenny Pickett, those moments against the Ravens and the Raiders that really let you kind of feel confident that you might have somebody moving forward, Mm -hmm. that you might have a quarterback in the future. And then you close out the season 
putting up the most points you've scored in a win all year, and and it's the largest margin of victory you have all season long too. So it's not just the come from behind, but you you end on a really high note. And I think it's important to note too that if Kenny Pickett was a five year veteran and had put up the numbers this year that he had, then you're looking then at you're like looking a, at like a D, yeah, or a D like a plus. C minus D. Plus. You have to take yeah. into account though that this is a rookie and he's growing and. The statistics might not be there his rookie season. The statistics were not there his rookie season. But don't you have to at least... You're being disingenuous to yourself if you don't at least recognize the eye test and say, he did look the part. Here's I think a that's a huge for key for rookie quarterbacks. I love seeing them play and seeing if they look the part. Like, we knew Joe Burrow looked the part right away. Trevor Lawrence was a little bit... But I thought this dude looks like an NFL quarterback. From the jump, I really didn't get it from Zach Wilson. I got to be honest with you. Right. Didn't well, look like I'm glad you brought that up because here's a question for you. Do you think in the quarterback classes of 2022 and 2021 that Kenny Pickett had arguably the second best rookie season, only behind Trevor? And you can maybe even say he had just as good. I I leave out Mac Jones because I think Mac Jones really was elevated by the team and coach he was playing for. And you kind of saw the dip that he took this That's year. That's my answer to your question. Mac Jones, I think, had the better rookie season. Really? But, but he did have help from the team. And the coaching around him, funny enough, that coaching and that system around him completely abandoned him in his second mm-hmm. season in New England. He looked like regression personified He looked like year. the Mac Jones that I thought was coming out of Alabama with, with all, you know, uh, with first-round talent and the offensive line, running backs, and, and wide receivers. Yeah, and with that question about, you know, is he the best-looking quarterback in his rookie year, he's certainly not at the bottom half of it. And there's guys around the league that were drafted Zach Wilson's that just don't look the part at all, where Kenny looks like he has that calm demeanor about him. So I I decided B-minus on the grade. You agreed with me. And a lot of that has to do with just the eye test of Kenny because, again, if you just look at the raw numbers – it's not going to translate to a to a B minus as far as your report card's concerned. I will say this though: one thing I have been hearing, the debate of do you, there's two debates that are happening right now. Okay. If you start Kenny Week One, do you make the playoffs, or if you keep Mitch Trubisky in through the bye week like the plan originally was, then make the switch to Kenny? Do you make the playoffs? Now, one argument I've heard put forward by several people is, I think you win one of those games with Mitch Trubisky that Kenny lost early. The Miami game where Kenny threw three interceptions. Yeah, people were oh, I think Mitch wins that game, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, that's a hypothetical that could be true, but you're arguing that Mitch would have won that game by not throwing three interceptions. But when he's Mitch already done already it. had a game where he threw three interceptions. Like it's just well, not a given that he, he wouldn't. Yeah, no, not yet. But yeah, I'm but just he saying, would do it. it's not <clears> a given that he would have played that Miami game and not thrown three interceptions. He's he's not like some amazing protector of the football that only throws two interceptions a year. Like, it, I exactly. get what you're saying, that maybe he does beat that Dolphins team. But, I but think the problem unfair. with the Dolphins game wasn't the offense, and I know that's hard to say when you score 10 first-half points and then nothing the rest of the way, mm-hmm. but they had four interceptions in their hand in that their the defense could squeeze. That was the main culprit. And I think it's unfair to kind of play both sides of the coin there by saying, well, if Kenny starts... In like week, if he starts against the Jets or the Pats or the Browns, you win that game. But then let's put in Mitch in my against Miami. Like you can't just say like we're gonna go with the quarterback who you think would do better every single game of the season just because 
one guy played worse in this game, you will say, oh, well, let's put in, if we had played the other guy that day, we would have won. And then down the line, the guy that you replaced now is the one who's on the bench, but because the guy who came in as a replacement played poorly, you say, oh, if we had played the original starter, we would have won that game, right? That's unfair to just kind of go back and forth or wishy-washy on your quarterbacks. You you can't be doing that in the NFL. You can't win with multiple quarterbacks. You just have to say, if this is our guy for the entire season, do you or do you not make the playoffs? It's unfair to say, well, if Kenny had started earlier in the season against the Jets and the Pats and the Browns, you win those games possibly. And if Mitch starts against Miami halfway through the season, you win that game. No, it's if Kenny plays the entire season or if Mitch plays the entire season which gives you the better chance to make the playoffs? And I think the answer was Kenny because he had, he finished the season with more starts than Mitch did. And he looked, I'm not, I think Mitch Trubisky will find another home, if not this season, then the next season. But I think right now it, it was just pretty obvious that Kenny is the guy in Pittsburgh. Moving on to the halfback position. Very slow start for this position group, mm-hmm. but a very strong finish. Where are you going? If you're going first semester, second semester grades, it might be like a D to an A. Mm-hmm. I'm going B+. Plus I'm going B+, plus as well. You could you could say the last, like, five games was an A+, plus maybe. Because, you're again, you said it's, it's position group. It's not individuals. So the combined play, I mean, you're going back to the Indianapolis game where the team as a whole ran for over 100 yards with guys like – Benny Snell and Jalen. I mean, like that Jaylen was. Warren had his games. Benny Snell had a game. Nah, that, that's what I meant. That's strong. what I meant. Yeah. Benny Snell had that game against Indianapolis, where maybe the most unexpected performance of the season, regardless of player, regardless of position group. Benny Snell against the Colts, and just that position group as a whole. The runners, I mean, because Kenny included, had 200 yards on that day. So you could say first half versus second half. Sure, it's it's night and day. But I'd say even like those last like five games. Really? Oh yeah, they maybe they, like an A plus, and and you saw them take that identity for their football team as a running right. football team and a team that's offense uses their run to set everything else up. And I mean, that's the one thing that you're looking forward to, I think, into next season the most, or the thing that you want to see happen the most next year is this translation of the running game, it becoming more consistent. You seeing week after week what you saw against the Ravens in week 17, what you saw against the Browns in week 18. That. That needs to be the new standard. And other than the Ravens game in week 14, there really wasn't a game when the second half right. where you go, wow, the running game and didn't that, do anything. And I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, they struggled against the Ravens one time. They made up for it. They made up for it because they had said they could have said to themselves, well, we tried it out the first time and it didn't work, so let's just try to pass the ball here. And we're working under the assumption that Kenny Pickett won't go down on the first possession. And you're playing with your backup Mitch Trubisky all game. They had Kenny Pickett all day long, Tom, and they still ran the ball as well as they did against Baltimore in the in the Week 17 contest. So kudos to them for really sticking with sticking with it and cre- creating the identity. Right? It's not just like they were looking for one; they made themselves an identity by running the ball as effectively as they did down the stretch and sticking with it. Here's something I want to float out to you. I know we're going by position group by group, but on an individual level, where would you go with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren? Because I think I have my answer. I think for me, I would give Najee on the season a B plus, similar to the, or, or parallel to the group as a whole. Started off slow, 
But really, once he got over that injury, once he took the bye week off, really you could see that he was more comfortable with running the ball. Jalen Warren, I might give an A-. minus. Yeah, because... Just because in his role, what did he do when called upon? You weren't expecting that from him. I mean, yes, you were you were saying he's a camp phenom. Dude. He could be a guy that is undrafted but still ends up on the final fifty-three. He came into this up, season right outside of the fifty-three. Exactly. Roster. He he not he not only finished on the fifty-three or made it to the final fifty-three, but surpassed Anthony yeah. McFarlane, surpassed Benny he Snell. He was number two in Cincinnati on game one. And really, you could say almost every time he was called upon, he he answered the call. Absolutely, and I think he got better when Nodge got better. Mm-hmm. And it really showed that change of pace. He gets shot out of a cannon, right. Jalen Warren, and you know that. And he gets uh, involved in the passing game that too. Max Starks and Wolfley call him always, always falling, falling forward. forward. That's true, but like he reminds me a little bit of Doug Martin. Just that okay. hamster ball of muscle, yeah. like just really fast, but like really compact and like almost like a speeding bullet every time that he gets the ball. I, they got a really good one-two punch now in that backfield. They really the Steelers do. Steelers do. So very excited to see how those two grow as a tandem now with a full offseason under their belt. And, like, and remember, Jalen Warren was spending all of this offseason trying to fight his ass off for a spot on a roster. It just so happened that he did so well that it translated to the number two running back position. Now he goes into the offseason knowing he's number two. Mm-hmm. Like That's a different mindset for him to go to OTAs on, minicamp, all that stuff. So really excited to see what that tandem can bring in 2023 for your Steelers. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wide receivers this is a tough one for me. It is. But I'm going C+. I think that's fair. I think the neighborhood of C+, to B- is fair, but I think I'm going to lean toward the C+. couple reasons why, or the biggest reasons why, Chase Claypool, yes, he was only on the team for, what, half the season, but also... Remember when he was on the team, he only had, like, those two really big games out of, like, the seven that he played with the Steelers. So two out of seven, not ideal for a guy that you took with your first pick from a draft. Remember, he was taken in the second round, but the Steelers had given up their first-round pick for Minka. So he was a de facto first-round pick for the Steelers. And to only have, you know, a fraction of your games be meaningful or, or your performance be meaningful Really was disappointing. And then the big one, I think, is Deontay Johnson. The the big one in bringing down that letter grade. Setting the record for the most uh, receptions in a season without a touchdown. That's tough. That's a tough boat to, to swallow. I think what brings it up is the play of George Pickens. 
right? What what keeps it from being anything lower than a C C plus is the play of George Pickens. Yeah, and there's still a lot left to be desired from the George Pickens mm-hmm. play. That's and why I don't it's know not all the way up to a B. And I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. Like the ball wasn't. No, I, I don't think that he was direction. utilized greatly. Right. Even in the end of the season when he started to really emerge. Still don't think he was used that much. Still don't think he got the lion's share of targets. I mean, man, that's a guy that anytime I see single coverage, uh, you gotta even if, his... even if the corner is Patrick Sertan and he's step in step with him, I still throw it up and, and try to make him get a play because I think at the very least on those plays, mm-hmm. he's going to have so much say with the combat catch that the defensive back's not going to get it. At, the wor- at, the, at best for him, it's going to be an incomplete pass. It could be a play, pass interference for the Steelers. It could be a great catch for George Pickens. But he's just such a physically dominating force that, like, your worst-case scenario there is just an incomplete pass, I think. Right. Like, he's not going to get picked off. He's as, not going to let that as happen. As talented as the DB may be, he's, he's talented enough to say, if I'm not going to catch this— He's not thinking could, interception. He's right. thinking, i got to get the ball away from Pickens. Exactly. Like, I, that's my number one priority here. So there's a lot of potential there with him. Trading Chase Claypool away, great move. Really, you could look back and say it's the biggest win the Steelers had all season long because of getting a, another first-round draft pick mm-hmm. when you pick 32nd overall. That's an incredible uh, flipping of Claypool. You turn him into a higher pick than you actually picked him at, right. and he hasn't panned out anyway. So, and sh- I mean, Chicago, I mean, if you'll you take were, the if Bears' you were, mistake every if, day of the week. If you were frustrated with his play in Pittsburgh, imagine how frustrated the, the, the Bears fans are right now for saying, we gave up. A, a, a essentially a first round pick for this guy. Yeah, and and not only that, like even if he was playing okay, if I'm Chicago, who cares about a wide receiver right now? I'm trying to build everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I want as many draft picks as I can. You can wide receivers when I say that, are I mean, as need, easy to come by yes. as any position. So why am I going out there dishing out a, this a, a potential season, first round pick when the Vikings are 15 games in front of us at this point? In the, I'm being sarcastic, but they were already in control of the North at that point mm-hmm. in the deadline. You knew the Bears weren't going anywhere. Yeah, it was a weird move for them to make. Go use, get the first overall pick, have the 32nd overall pick use that 32nd overall pick on a wide receiver in this draft class, a, mm-hmm. a one that has more potential than Claypool ever Or did. don't. Like, or, yeah. like, you have, I mean, your receiving core isn't anything special, but you're a run identity, like, you're a run first team. You have Justin Fields and David Montgomery, who are both talented at their respective positions. Build up your offensive line. Build up your defensive line. I mean, we the league knows you just traded away both Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. Fill those gaps. Help Justin Fields get some protection up front. You don't need to go out and get a wide receiver. I think even in the draft, I think both, if they would have kept the pick, both the first overall and the 32nd overall should have been spent on other positions. I would never have looked at the wide receiver position if I were Chicago in that in that circumstance. No, but if I'm the Steelers, I still got to kind of take a look at that wide receiver position this year. Yeah. You've got your one in Pickens, and Deontay, I think, is a really good number two in the mm-hmm. NFL. If Pickens can translate to a legit number one, and Deontay kind of stays where he's at, maybe scores two or three more touchdowns this year, hey, I don't want to well, get I greedy think, here. And I think, too, you have to consider, <clears throat> we're saying, can Pickens really do it? I think he can. It's just give Kenny Pickett time to grow into a, a, a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. Give Kenny Pickett maybe a better playbook that gets George Pickens more involved, and then he can become that that def, that 
definitive wide receiver one for you. And then Deontay Pollen at number two. <clears throat> and then to come back to your original point, see what Calvin Austin does when he comes back this year. Hopefully yeah. you get him back fully healthy. That's someone you got to keep an eye on for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Steven Sims is, is the worst wide receiver four. Don't forget about Anthony Miller. Right, Anthony Miller. They put him on IR at the beginning of the year for a reason. They obviously see some potential in him. Uh, I think Miles Boykin will get a decent look as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that they have enough on the roster currently that they could go into next season with with this receiving core and feel comfortable. Uh, And maybe Calvin Austin is that third guy that emerges. Maybe Steven Sims gets even better this offseason and becomes that number three guy. I mean, what? But for, I, they just, my point is, they just need a number three guy. I, I know that you have Fryermuth as that third, even second target. He was the second leading mm-hmm. receiver on the team this year, just behind Deontay Johnson. I still want that third wide receiver in the mix. And I think that combination of of Austin and Miller could be that guy. But honestly, Tom, yes, too. Yes, I like, agree. I think that it could be in the on the roster right now. I. I I don't think they need to spend a draft pick on a wide receiver yeah. this year. If you're going to get somebody, get another guy off free agency or promote from within with Austin Miller, Boykin, some of those guys. Not not Gunner. But I'm, I'm done with Gunner. Gunner's got to yeah, go. I mean, Gunner. he has no purpose on special teams. He's got a very limited purpose on, on the offense. And that that purpose will become even more minimal when you bring back Calvin Austin, when you bring back Anthony Miller. Gunner strikes me as like that gadget kind of play player, and Connor Hayward's already that right now. Oh, 100%. So I don't see any Connor Hayward either. has 100% locked that in. Yeah, so I don't see any any real tangible reason when Sims is returning your punts, he's not taking the unique jet sweeps or random plays that's going to Hayward. Uh, right. There's just no there's no niche for him on this. And team. I kind of like how you brought Sims back into the conversation because I think well, when he was called more upon, than Olszewski this year. Yeah, but when not even on the special teams, but yeah. on the offense, the when called upon, yeah, right, a, a huge, just a great effort, and then in the in the moment, like the gravity of that, extending that drive against the Ravens, getting you into the red zone on that catch, huge play for him. So I really do like the play of Stephen Sims, but. I think you're going to like it even more just because next season, just because with the other guys around him, he's not going to have to be called upon as much. And I think when you saw him this year, it was kind of like, okay, Steven Sims is out there. Like, is that like the Steelers kind of tipping the hand and saying, we're we're going to give him the ball. Now with guys like Anthony Miller involved and Calvin Austin involved, you won't really know where the ball is going to go. Tight end fullbacks. Putting them together in the same group. Okay, where are you going? I'm going A. Yeah, I think A A minus is fair. Okay, A minus for you. I'm giving them a flat A. Derek Watts was used more than ever this year. He got some big first downs for the Steelers. I mean, he was efficient as ever. Scored a touchdown in the final game for the Steelers. Scored two touchdowns on the year, yeah. Two touchdowns? Uh, Connor Hayward really emerged as a rookie in this class. He's gotten two big first downs in the Raiders game. He got another first down on third and short in the Browns game. Uh, He's caught a touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett this year. He's been utilized in the passing game to a small degree, but he still has been utilized. Uh, Gentry, I think, is a really good, you know, blocking tight end. Yeah, right. Is going to find himself open from time to time because that's just the nature of the beast. And, and Kenny found him for a big gain against the Browns last week. Uh, could he do a little bit more of a solid job catching the ball when he is open? Yes, of course. But then there's number eight. And he is on a trajectory. The numbers tell you he's Kelsey. He's Andrews-esque. And, in fact, 
those two guys a little bit late bloomers compared to Pat Fryer. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Pat right. has exploded onto superstardom yet, but he is outpacing Kelsey. He is outpacing Andrews to this point in his career as far as receiving yardage is concerned. So mm-hmm. he is on a track to become an elite tight end. He was trending to be the leading receiver for the Steelers. He was passed by Deontay Johnson in this last game where Frymouth did not catch a single pass and did not get any yardage. But That's a fluke, He's still the number two receiver on the team as far as yardage is concerned. He's the number two uh, receiver on the team, uh, period. And that guy is going to be a problem for defenses in the future. And great to know. That he only suffered a sprain. In right, his knee. no surgery Gonna required. Have a full off season, mm-hmm. just rehab that sprain, and you'll have a healthy off season to you know build your body up for year three, and and that's a year that I'm really excited to see out of Pat Frymouth because once you start getting to that year three, four, five range, that's when tight ends usually start to really take off in the NFL. He's already got a really nice runway beneath his feet, so the sky's the limit for this dude and. I bet you a lot of people will prognosticate him as a top five tight end next year, and I'm one of them. Yeah, I don't think that's far-fetched to do at all. I mean, as you said, the numbers speak for themselves. The only concern, Tom, is rehabbing this injury, and we know now that there could be a history or or a likelihood of concussions for him. Mm -hmm. We've seen that now, so you just have to be wary of that, but that doesn't take away from his play. If you're agreeing just based on a play, I don't think it's debatable. He's for sure a top 10, and he has that potential to to enter into that top five, if not top three, alongside whether it's Kelsey or Andrews or Kelsey and Kittle, Frymouth is going to enter that conversation pretty quickly. As long as, you know, the, the offensive playbook kind of allows for him to do so and the play of Kenny Pickett continues to improve. And I think you're pretty set on your tight end room right now. Yeah. Um. I know a lot. I think Connor Hayward might jump above Zach Gentry on the depth chart next year, but I don't think that the depth chart matters behind Fryermuth there. I think, you know, it's situational. And you won't see. You're going to use Gentry in running downs. You're going to use Hayward to exactly. use those jet sweeps. Exactly. Those, and I say jet sweeps because I, I think Canada's coming back. I just, I feel that writing okay. on the wall. I feel that vibe going that way. I mean, take the temperature of the league. You're seeing OCs from Washington get fired. You're seeing DCs from Cleveland get fired. Like, Coordinators granted, are getting fired. Granted, the Steelers are they never do a team. differently. Yeah. But still, I, I don't know. We're on day two now, out to ocean, day three now, and still no news. Checking Twitter right now, still nothing. I, and I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. I'm just saying that's the decision it's I the think feeling is, is going to be made. Uh, but, yeah, so you'll have Connor Hayward in for those kind of plays to be kind of like your use check light. But you'll have Gentry in to block for Nodge and to be a, a big six foot twelve body out there, as, as Wolf likes to joke. So... You know, as far as like, oh, well, you can move on from Gentry because you have Hayward. I, I think you've got a really good three in that tight end room, and I would keep those three around this year. Um, I, I don't think you need to add to it at all. I, I think that move forward with those three together, progressing. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And I think what the point you made about the depth, the depth chart not being an issue is, is, is smart because – it doesn't matter who's going to be ahead on the depth chart. If they're going to be running the ball and they need an extra blocker, they're going to put in Gentry. If, Like you said, if they're going to go for a, a unique offensive scheme, they're going to put Hayward in there. So I do like that room. And I, and I think, you know, in the moment when the Steelers got, a, got rid of Kevin Rader and replaced him with, with Connor Hayward on the lineup or on the, on the final 53 roster, a lot of people were saying, 
Is it just because he's got the, the, the name on the back of his jersey? But it's pretty obvious now the talent's there. And the final position group on the offensive side of the ball before we flip over to the defense, offensive line. Where are you Ooh. going? I gave him a B- minus this year. Oh, I was going to go B+. Plus. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to push you on that. They are the group that had the lowest expectations heading into the season. And probably and the impressed that exceeded the most, their expectations yeah. the most. Uh, it Did got you... better every single game. What Max Starks, what Craig Wolfley told us all offseason, you know, this is a slow cook. You can't put this in the microwave. You got to put this thing on the crock pot, leave for five hours, and come back before your stew's ready. That's exactly how it played out. Those guys seem to know what they're talking about, man. Go listen to the locker room after you're done with us. These linemen, I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what, they know how to evaluate offensive line play. But they were exactly right. It was a slow cook. It took a long time for them to gel, but really saw the second half of the season them come together. Guys like Dan Moore, who had bad games this year, Mm -hmm. really showed you some good games in the second half. They were road grading as far as run blocking was concerned. I think... I think you found some run blockers. Uh, at the very least, right. that's that's front, very yeah. clear to you. And again, just because it showed a lot of improvement doesn't mean that you can't go out there and make that big splash, bring in that superstar, and really solidify your offensive line. But you just can't not be impressed with the way mm-hmm. that they develop throughout the season. And their health is something that I think needs to be talked about a lot. Because well, it's just such a rarity in the NFL. You did don't you see, see five guys start every game on the offensive Did you line. see the tweet by Mark Abali from earlier this week? What a kaboom tweet. The offensive line, the Steelers starting offensive line played five seven f- wow. Five thousand seven hundred and fifty three of a possible five thousand eight hundred snaps this year. A ninety nine point two percentage rate. That never happens in the NFL. You will never see that happen ever again. I don't need to even look it up, but that's the most that's the highest percentage rate in the NFL. Guarantee it. History, no, yeah. no history, maybe. You're right. Like it might be in the history. I was just saying this year for sure. But history, that's the maybe one. it might be. I mean, that is a high impact position for you to not have an injury significantly on that line all season long and. And who was the guy? Like, I'm trying to think, like, Mason Cole got banged up a little bit, right? But he still played through most of the injury. Like, Did Hour come in at any point? I think he might have spelled him in a game, uh-huh. which is probably why you have that 99.2% Yeah, there. I mean, so that means 577, I keep doing that, 5,753 of 5,800. So that means less than 50 snaps. I think Hour came in when, when Cole got hurt and spelled him for a bit, but, like, there was not even a moment where it's like, well, Kendrick, uh, Kevin Dotson's on the injury report with an ankle. He's Kendrick probably Green's not, he's not going to play. Yeah. yeah, no. Like, well, how about they've shown up on the injury report, but they've all practiced. How about that? Week. I mean, in it, in it, if you go on an individual level, Kevin Dotson, who's been battling injuries his entire career up to this year, finally just seems like, yeah, it's not going to be something that bothers me. For, like every year, year in year out, you're not going to have to think. I got to get a guy to to fill in every third game or so for me. I mean, on an individual level, but then you have to com- you have to group that in as as the offensive line playing together. So that's why I gave it the B plus, just because the fact that they were able to play together and take advantage of that. Right? If they had played together all season long, and you saw kind of the inconsistent play that you saw last year, where it was you were cycling a new guy in almost every game, then I'd be really worried because I'd say to myself. These guys had the chance to really build up a chemistry and nothing was built upon or nothing was built on it. And that would give me reason to cons- to have concern, but they didn't. They, they really reassured you. 
All right, now flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Whoa. Uh, oh. Oh. Out of we time. We ran out of time. Saved by the bell defense. All right, we're going to take recess. We're going to take lunch. We're going to come back into the office, and we're going to reevaluate the defense's grades uh, for the 2022 season. That's all on the way next. But before any of that, I need to tell you to subscribe to SNR's newest podcast, The Godfather of Pittsburgh Sports is talking nothing but Steelers. It's Savern on Steelers. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe today. It's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. The defensive position group grades are hot off the presses. <laughs> the defensive position group grades are hot off the presses. Yeah. We'll give them to you next. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman. This is the Steelers Standard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.